right, I'm porch me. I, I am me on my porch in my zero gravity chair. That's who I am. I don't know who you are. Who are you? No, uh, I'm Jim. I'm sitting here. I'm trying to host this, but it's yeah, kind Jim of is tough, definitely the host. I am just the guy in a zero gravity chair who has a. I don't even know if it's a good memory. It's just I'm haunted by a lot of my past exploits. Well, Mark Mark Chalabala is yeah. our memory from high school, that is, that is grade true. school, uh, everything. Surprising for the amount of drinking I did that that I still have retained a lot. I don't of this think stuff. you were doing a lot of drinking in grade school. Oh uh, no, uh, what's my father? Uh, sippy cup. Uh, he was a buckhorn man. And we'd sit out and listen to Sox games on on you know, summer nights. He'd bring out the little sippy cup. He'd have a full buckhorn or Falstaff. And then I would get my little sippy cup filled. And it was always, don't tell your mother. <laughs> yeah, Mom, I'm, gonna, I'm drinking with Dad. We're hitting the you know hitting the hooch. Okay. We're getting liquored up on the uh, stairs. Well, the, stoop. the, the thing That's I remember weird. about going to Addison yes. is that we had to have two teachers because we had such a big class. We had, what, we figured 44? Yes, we figured, I think. Twice as many as yes. every other class. So there was a comet or something that came around in 1964. Three. Increased the fertility. Uh, yeah, I guess the fertility was Late 63. Yeah, early yeah, 64. Um, yeah, well, it's weird, too, because it's like if we had moved into the town... And said, "Oh my God, what that would happen in this town?" But when you lived there, that for us it was just normal. Like Stickney had forty-four kids my age. Yeah, like that—that's incredible. Like you think about how many kids there were, like two kids on every block, and there's a lot of blocks of Stickney. So there I, were, there I remember were, like, we had a morning kindergarten and an afternoon kindergarten. Yes, I was a morning because uh, my neighbor Jeff Costell was in the afternoon, and we were yes. in the morning. So we, we yeah, I should have brought out the photos. The we could have done photos of this, but I have some. I will do this in our time anyway. Yeah, so like when you grow up with forty four kids, like when people you grow up in a large family, right? Like the Brady Bunch, right? Did they ever think, "Hey, I wish I was an only child"? There's six of them all the time. You know, there's, <laughs> there's always somebody in your porridge, right? So yeah, Stickney with forty four kids is like, I mean, there were ten, and I think we counted the kids. There were ten bullies in our class, ten, and like so that what they split up the bullies five and five. I, I hope they did. I think that they put five in each class. Yeah. Now, did we we stayed in our separate <laughs> classes the whole? Nine years, right? Um, they didn't mix us up again. I, I, or no, they? I think right, but but I think whatever them because like I had Dave in some classes, not like he was not in my science class. He was in my social studies class. Oh, okay. So they, I would have loved to have seen how they did this, how they mixed this up. Because yeah, Dave was there for social studies. He was to my right, and Nazi Joe was in front of me, like right in front of me. So we were showing the. Holocaust and stuff, and everybody's watching Joe. He's like right in front of me. Yet in science, Dave was with you guys, probably. So they probably took the the things where high IQ mattered, because you had was were you in class with your brother? Yeah, we were together. So, isn't that weird? Like, why didn't they switch you guys up? Uh, I think my mom said that it would be traumatic or something. Well, what do you think? <laughs> would, would it have been traumatic? I don't know. I, I you know, the guy who was, didn't have a brother. He was the kind of my best friend. So like not being able to go to school, your best friends like you and Dave being split up all the time. Yeah, we were split up all the time. It was okay. Yeah. But I well, think... I remember we yeah, had Miss well, Pomeranning. Well, it wasn't an option. Well, Kids didn't have a choice. We so. had Miss Andrews, who became Mrs. Pomeranning. Yes. And she followed Ms. us Andrews. all the way, yeah. I think, through... First grade. All first I think, grade all the way. Yeah, because kindergarten, we had the split classes, so one teacher did double duty. Yeah. And then... Well, actually, our second grade teacher, I believe, and maybe it was my sister's year, there was Mrs. Detmer. Right. And get this, Jim... She was my dad's second grade teacher. I have a picture of my father. So he was born in 28. 
So you add what? 7 to 28, 30, 1935. A young and supple Mrs. Detmer teaching young Miles Chalavala. And then all those years later, she teaches me. Wow. Yeah. Think about the math involved there. That, like, like yeah. wow. Well, I don't think my dad went to grade school in Stickney, so I don't think Probably he had not. any teachers. Mrs. Matz was ancient. Yeah, and my mom was friends with her at way long after school was. Oh, we we hung out with her till she was dead, and she died. She was like almost ninety when she kicked it. But my mom used to make her Christmas cookies every year, like as a paid commission. Was she teaching when she was ninety? When no, 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 no. When she retired, she was done. But then she was always in need of my mom's baking because I guess she couldn't bake worth a lick. So yeah. my mom was always making cakes or cookies or something, whatever. And I think they just had a friendship and. Uh, so all of a sudden, you know, here I am, I'm like, whatever, like in college or whatever. And then it's like, Mrs. Yeah. Matt's coming to the house. Like, what the hell? Now, <laughs> one thing I remember is sitting alphabetical order and poor Deborah Zavataro was always yeah. sitting in the back, yeah. back corner there. Back her, right corner. Her, her grandmother lived next door to me, Mrs. Johnson. So there is, uh, and, and, you know, if you want, I, I think I know where the picture is. There's a picture here. I'm going to go get this. Hang on for a second. Hang on, folks. you got to see this. To believe Mark's going to go get some pictures. Yeah, so you tell a story while I'm, i got a picture here. I know where exactly where it is. So here is, here is young Mark in uh, 1966. Up a little bit. There you go. There you go. That's Mark, young Mark in 1966 with his uh, tractor. And in the background there, you see ah, that garage. Yes. So the garage, uh, this only came into mind later, uh, apparently existed in 1966. Um, Debbie Zavatero's grandfather, well, one day drives in the garage and forgets to turn off the engine, thereby Falsely. ending his uh, life. He so, forgot, or well, I mean, speculate a... as you may. I think he just remembered and says, "Time to go," and so. Um, the garage was taken down and never to be replaced. It's the only house on the block that has no garage. And again, Mrs. Johnson never had a car, so it wasn't like, hey, where do I park this thing? There, you know, obviously, when she got rid of the husband, she got rid of the car too, because it kind of was evidence, I believe. And so, yeah, her backyard was the only one without, you know, so as a kid growing up, like, why didn't she have a crash? Shut up. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Turns out, three people on my block, on our block, did the same thing. What? Yeah, guy crossed the Nobody street. Nobody Stigney did that. Yeah, guy crossed the street, um, did it, and then I guess two, two or three doors down, he same thing. Always in the garage. You leave the car running. Now we can't talk about Edison without talking about Cub Scouts, man. That was uh, a big part of. Yeah, you know, at least for me. Well, well, that, well, yeah, because you had your father was waiting. I, you know, I. You were loved, in the den with uh, Dave. I, and, uh, yeah, we were with uh, Dingo, Mrs. Dingo's den, and uh, pounded a lot of nails. Mr. Uh, Dingo, oh yeah, Milty, uh, had a lot of four by fours. He would stop on the side of the road and pick up wood, and we would just spend did, whole meetings he, just pounding nails. Who was it who had the leather making kit? Was that Mr. Dingo too? No, no, that that sounds more like uh, Dan Heron. Oh, because okay. Dan Harris, oh, he those kids learn how to roll cigarettes. Like we're coming out of there, we we had, and I, I'm sure it's Dave had his a lot longer than mine. We had these four by fours where you drew your name in pencil and you pounded the nail so it spelled out your name. So that's what we came out with, and the other kids that went to to Dan Aaron's dad, uh, they came out learning how to roll cigarettes. So they had a cigarette rolling little jig or yeah. something. Well, yeah, I think they were doing it by hand, and okay. he, yeah, and so basically those kids came out with a, with a life skill. You know, what do we got? What, what am I going to do with a hammer and a nail, right? <laughs> 
Those kids learn how to roll smoke. Well, I remember making making the Indian headdresses and the Indian outfits and doing the little I, I try to black out a bu- as cans. much of it as I can. I don't think... I mean, I think a lot of it with scouting and a lot of these organizations that you had to join when you were a kid, it's about who you're with. And I won't say, because you guys had your dad or whatever, we, we our troop and our whatever we were doing. So how did you guys not work with us? Did we have two troops? Oh, with a bunch of dens. We had like four or five dens. Oh, okay. Because so I was trying to figure like this. We had five yeah, or six kids in the den, and we had like 20 boys in the den. Okay, that, that would make sense then. Yeah, so because I don't remember like, like being four or five yeah. kids in the den, and that's right. I thought that too would be double the size or whatever. There'd be like 20 of us in each den. But yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you know, and it was okay. Um, I just think I was playing soccer, and I was in the band and stuff. So when, when time, you know, that too in Suckall, you know. No. Same thing. No Suckle. time. That's, I, I, that's a whole different podcast. That is, so. a, that is an entirely Suckle, different podcast. Suckle, Little League, soccer, all the sports stuff. Yes. But no, yeah. yeah. So scouting was okay. I remember going camping once or twice or something. A lot of yeah. walks. Yeah, a lot of hikes. Our we father. Did, we oh, actually, well, what it was, it was our fathers, uh, Dave's dad, my dad, Mr. Dinga, uh, and probably Mr. Heron, too. Um, we go for these crazy walks, whatever, out at wherever, out here in the Burbs. And the fathers would always be there, and you're like, wow, they're really participating. They weren't participating. They were dragging a cooler. So they were like 30, <laughs> sec- 30 40 seconds behind that. us, they're drinking. <laughs> That's what that. I re- Yeah, not at your troop. Our troop was like, they was the yeah. drinking. So okay. the kids would tear off. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't get too far ahead, kids. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And they come out with, like, empties, you know? So they'd be like, they, they might start a trip with a 12er. And they were 0 for 12 when they came back. All done. Interesting. And they were, you know, their hype was done, and they were done. They were like, well, isn't that, we bonded with our children, isn't that? Like, I would love to talk to my dad about, you know, what his mindset. Well, we're going to go out there, we're going to go drinking. Because it's the weekend, and that's what we do. But, yeah, then I think it was our summer home. We, we had, I had no time for scouting on the weekends. I was, we were gone every weekend. And so yeah. scouting had to be, like, Monday through Friday, don't. They really kind of disappeared in the summer. There might be a hike or two, but we don't well, think we I, I do, right? And I think I think a lot of it is your 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 impetus to continue on. And obviously, you go to Weeblows, and then that was you made your commitment or not. And I did not. And you guys obviously committed all the way. We went, and so we went up the the Eagle, yeah. But I remember wearing our, our uniforms to school on a day of our dad meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the really sad thing is my kerchief. my son in Cub Scouts he he said Dad can I wear my yeah. my uniform to me and kids picked on him and I go you know, no one picked on us when we did because everybody had their uniforms on all the boys did well I, right but I think and the girl Scouts did the same I thing. think well I think that well that was it there it was in our generation back in the day um, I think there was just more of a community commitment to schooling to what was going on. Like, like, yeah, I mean, when you had half your class wearing uniforms, it's really tough for the other half to pick on them. But, but yeah, like, why wasn't Chuck Steff uh, in scouting or whatever? You know, they really could have done something. They just didn't. They just they found other things to pick on. And um, But, yeah, whatever they, you know, like band or whatever, there was a ton of kids doing whatever that was, you know. I never played basketball, but, you know, Edison had its own basketball team, for God's sakes. I mean, you know. Now, I don't we, think we're we, any good at it. But, we got to go back to band because I remember oh, yeah. okay. having that uh, assembly and they had all the instruments up on the stage. Yes. And I'd already been taking violin lessons for a year. So wow, I walked up, I picked up you, the violin. Look at you, I started playing. They said, okay, you, you're going to be in the intermediate orchestra because you don't need to be in the beginning orchestra. Wow. But how did you pick up the tuba, man? So here's the story. And, you know, as chronicled in, in my books, you know, that I have actually written, which is true, um, 
Jimmy the Wiz was Vicky. Um, I was pulling in a cool 25 cents a week allowance for just being on the planet. And for 25 cents, I had to climb on the roof. I had to clean gutters, had to shovel snow, I had to, you know, cut grass, rake leaves, did it all for 25 cents. Uh, yeah, right, same band day down in the, in the auditorium. Um, I, there had been something about drumming at some juncture. I did, uh, cow drum music for like a, a picosecond and all the drumming music is actually X's and it's very hard for me to like, what the hell is that? That doesn't look like a note. It's an X. Well, yeah, that's the beats. Yeah. So I really didn't, didn't launch on the drums. Anyway, um, so we're standing there and I'm near the end as I often was in things because that's where all the jokes are told. And, um, so Jimmy the Wiz leans in he's like, Hey, got a deal for you. Pick up that tuba mouthpiece and I'll give you 50 cents. And because I was only making a quarter at that time, I said, well, yeah, I'm in on that. And figuring I could just pick it up, go through the motions, sit back down, get your 50 cents. <laughs> and so what happened was, this was like uh, the music man. The music, you know, As soon as you pick up, the end, oh, there's our tuba player. And I'm like, uh-oh, trouble. Trouble in Sector G. So... He must have known that's what was going to happen. No, I don't think he did. We were at the end because he picked up the trumpet. He was the trumpeter for about a week. And what happened was that night, I want to say it was like a Tuesday or Thursday night or day during the day. That night was the parent uh, conference about the band program. So the, the whole reason that the kids were there to like touch instruments and try things was to give the... Uh, Mr. Leonard, the band guy, some impetus as to who's going to be in the band. So all of a sudden, I went from being a total non-participant to, hey, you're coming tonight, right? <laughs> With your parents? And I was like, uh-oh. So now what do I got? Because now I can't exactly go to my dad and say, you know, dad, uh, just between you know us men, uh, I was totally screwing around uh, you know, for 50 cents. Didn't happen. And next thing you know, they they bought me this mouthpiece, this eight dollar mouthpiece, which you know in the seventies that was like. Did you have to money. chip in your fifty cents on that? I did not, um, but I do remember getting a lot of. I lost it in about eighth grade. I think I was in eighth grade. I just I must have left it on the bus or something. Uh-huh. I must have fallen out of whatever I had, and uh, never to be replaced. So after that, I never. All the mouthpieces I played in high school, all the mouthpieces I played in college were borrowed. And now I have, I don't know, 120 mouthpieces or something in my collection. But, yeah, no, uh, it was all it was all a bluff. And I did it for 50 cents. And then when I couldn't admit the bluff to my dad, I was in the band. And of all the instruments, the, the, the saving grace was that when you play tuba, there's no technical merit. Like, you don't have to, like, qualify. Can you pick it up? You're in. And so that was basically how it got me all the way to college. I could pick up the tuba. I could lift it. Yeah, was in. There I was, was no playing aptitude. There was no challenging to get your chair. Show up. You're in. Yeah. And so that carried me all the way through. Like, if I had to actually practice, like, and, and you know, because I would have been whatever, like, if there was 100 tuba players, I would have been last. But there was never 100 tuba. Most there were four. And even when there were four, I think I ended up being, like, third or something. There was actually a kid worse than me. He couldn't even pick up the horn. So I think he was actually <laughs> lower than me. But that was in high school. And so I actually sat next to Jackie Patasek, uh, whatever, fourth grade to all the way to high school. Well, she was uh, in Lions? No, she, uh, Forest View. Forest she went to homeschool. Homeschool, okay. Her, her family were all tuba players, though, so this was like a rite of passage for her. So she took it seriously. 
she could actually play. I just told her, I mean, I was probably fifth or sixth grade. I just, you know, we didn't talk a lot, which I would love to talk to her now. We never spoke. And all I remember telling her was like, listen, I'm terrible at this. I will never embarrass yeah, our department, our, our section, all two of us. I said, if there's too many black notes on the page, I'm going to cut out. And I'm not even going to play. Because all you would hear was, you know, let's take clarinets, let's take it over again, and one, and then two, and everybody would blow through. And I, never, the dude section was never called upon because I never played. I never, I just didn't play the horn at all. I sat there. Because what, so she had a solo, like, for... Whatever that was, let's see, that would have been uh, four and four, eight, eight years. So, so when did you start taking tuba seriously and really start never, playing it? Never, never did. Never, never, not even in college? No, never. You never learned to play tuba properly? No, never. I had lessons, but they were brutal. Over at the Berwyn Conservatory of Music, my, my teacher, Mr. Dreyer, he was a drone. So he, halfway through, I mean, we wouldn't be halfway through, at the beginning of the lesson, he's like, we need to sanitize our mouthpieces so i'm like sanitize your mouthpiece his had this golden um shade to the water that he put it in well yeah it was jim beam i get to sanitize the water he's using jim beam so by the end of the lesson yeah that was a great lesson oh you did well kid that a plus hey i'll bring no, the next kid no, in I, I've bring the next kid in there i love you guys. marching band you faked all that stuff yeah, I could play loud. I couldn't play well. I mean, I got I got better when I got out of college, but I got better because I realized that I can't read music. I can hear it. So when I when I would be playing in uh, District One Hundred Three Jazz Band, I knew the song. Yeah. So I would make up the notes and whatever Rick or whoever so stand were, up like, what the hell is going on on the bass line? Yes, yes. It had nothing to do with the notes that were actually played. So most of the time, I'm sitting up there. I was just making it up. And you got away with it because he has band. You can. He wanted two tuba players, and if he would have said, "You know, we got to play the notes as written," I'd have said, "Have a nice day." So Thank you, you and the shopping. other tuba player were playing two different. Jackie Patasek was yes. Jackie was also in jazz band. Yes, so she played it straight up. She could actually play and read the notes and play it, and I was like riffing. But you had soul. No, no, you didn't have soul. You were just no. Okay. So really, what it? Yeah, it wasn't until I got out of college and I realized that that's where I was really good at. I could just listen to a song on the radio and kind of come close to the notes. And that's what second line music is down in New Orleans. It's all, you know, boom, 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 boom. It's the, it's the rhythm. You right. take instead of boop, 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 which is a march, you go boom, 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 And I can do all that. Yeah. And that's not anything we played in grade school or high school. That does not qualify. So I had no idea that music even existed until I got out and I said, oh, my God, I could play that. And I love it. But yeah. it has nothing to do with reading music. I'm horrible at it. I, I can I can guess the key signatures generally. I, I but, never you know, I, I never knew that. It's so much easier. You should just play tuba. People, it's so much easier. You don't. There's no qualification. Pick up the horn, you qualify. Yeah. Well, now or Dave, he took his clarinet very seriously. I mean, he yes, was, he did. He was practicing. Yeah, he, was, he would practice all the time with Mrs. Wolf again at the Berwyn Conservatory of Music. We had Saturday morning lessons together. Oh yeah. At the same Berwyn time, Huckleberry, Huckleberry, and so he had a real teacher. Really trying to, and my guy's like, ah, sanitize that mouthpiece again. Ah, which is so typical of the tuba realm. You have to get good at drinking. He, had he just been oh, more gosh. straight up, it's like, you know, kid, the horn is going to get a lot easier if you drink a little more. I would have been light years well, ahead. I had, I had one instructor at Calderon's, and then I moved over to Berwyn, and that was Perry Smyre. 
And then he left there, and he was teaching out of his house in Westmont. So I used to get on the train. Wow. I'd pick up the train at Oak Park. Holy cow. And uh, 31st there. Yeah. I'd take the train out to Westmont and walk two blocks to his Holy house. Holy cow. Two or three times, I missed his stop, and I had to walk back like a half mile from oh. the other stop. You know, when we were kids, that didn't, like, how did you get to the train? You walked, right? Oh, yeah, I walked. No one drove me. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, now the thought, even the thought that you were going to walk like six or eight blocks to get to a train, like, whoa, there's no way. Nobody walks that far. Yeah. My, my kids, they don't even want to learn how to drive. They're, getting my older son to get his driver's license was... Well, in an emergency, it's kind of nice to know. But if you can get away with it, I mean, I was 23 when I got a license. I didn't need Oh, it. really? You didn't get yours at 16? So here's the story, folks. Uh, here's your tip. If you've got an older sister, um, look out. Um, she, because my dad died, you know, God rest us all, um, mom had this crazy idea that we needed two drivers in the family. It sounds good on paper. She was the older of the two of us and, you know, the more mature and thoughtful one. So all of a sudden she goes to driver's ed and, you know, gets her learning permit or whatever, gets her driver's license, and then mom puts her behind the wheel. Now, this is before the age of, uh, you know, transparency when all facts will be found out eventually. So apparently she got into four accidents in her first year of driving. Now, if you're under 20, age of 25, you get four things on your card. They should, like, stop you from driving, right? She hit a guy over here in Brookfield, like right by where the the line's sitting. Guys, on a rainy night, guy's crossing Ogden Avenue. She cracks into him. Like, I guess got him in the hand. His hand was, that's how close it was Yeah. to, like, killing a guy, right? Mangles his, his hand. Or whatever. Yeah, ripped his arm off, mangles him. And the only reason I know is because uh, some legal documents got sent to the house, and here I am. Oh, do-do-do, checking that mail. Whoa, law offices, of, whoa, traffic accident regarding animal, whoa, hey now. And so, four accidents, right? So my mom has to pay. So my sister is at like probably two grand a year for insurance. I have no idea. Oh I don't know. It's astronomical. So the only thing I hear about all this is, you know, got some bad news for you. If you're looking to drive, you got to pay your own insurance. So, not that I was looking to drive, yeah. but that, like, sealed it. It just sealed it. So, how are you getting the, the college and stuff? Jim, this is one of the secrets of life. It's not as important about what you own personally. It's what your friends own that they will have you hang around. So, a couple things. Got to college. I would get dropped off. You know, no problem. On college, you don't need a car, yeah, no, right? No, Not yeah. back then. Now you probably do because, you know. No, no. I mean. That, everybody's got a car now. Well, but, I mean, you may have one, but you don't take it to the campus. No, no, no. But no you go home. The car allows you to go home and go wherever you want on the weekend. So, like, Illinois State now is a commuter college. So, like, people live in Brookfield and go to ISU Monday through Friday. They come home every weekend. Oh, so they're staying there during yeah. the week. But they, like, we used to stay on campus. Nobody stays. Like, That's only two hours in a car. I'm like. Too long. So what happened was, I got down there, and I declared myself an independent, because that gives you more Pell Grants and whatever, but you have to, you can't stay at home over the summer. Uh-huh. And I was down there anyway taking classes, so that only allowed, allowed me to take 12 credit hours, four classes, plus band, 13, and but it was a much less lower uh, course load, obviously, but then I would take the short semester, I'd take your hardest class of the year during short semester, just hammer it six hours a day for a month done 
Then I'd take two more classes in the summer. And by doing that, I could take 12 credit hours a semester. And I'd get a job because all the kids would go home and they're getting jobs around here painting. And I'm down there going, yeah, I'll work at your gas station stocking. And I got whatever job I wanted. They, nobody did that. And so, but because I did that, because I got all the grant money, all of a sudden school's free. And, you know, the only money I had to borrow was for the housing. But I didn't have a car. Didn't have a driver's license. So I had a bicycle. And I had friends that had cars. Because what's a fourth car going to, you know, we got three guys in an apartment with cars. What's a fourth car going to get us? We're all hanging out together anyway. It's not like two of the cars are not used. So I got out. I came home. And I graduated at 22, I think. Yeah, because I was studying abroad. And um, I was working this job at the bank. And I think I was at the bank for like six months. And I realized I, better, I should probably get a car. Because my mom was dropping me <laughs> off every day. And she'd go to work. So literally, she took me with the with the Dan uh, Ryan. I think not Dan Ryan. Who was Dan uh, Walker was our governor. Rules of the road, you know, from the 70s. We cracked that baby out, you know, like in the 80s. And we went to the cemetery and did a couple laps. I think I got this. You know, like, I, I now imagine your kid a couple laps at a set. We're gonna go get your driver. Like yeah, that's no. what and they would freak out, right? So I went and you know whatever Melrose and it's got the you know I'd already scouted out a car, right? Had them you know some money for a down payment or whatever, and literally got my driver's license at like my mom took me over there at like four o'clock, and then I had her drive me over to the car dealership, which is over on East and uh, uh, Ogden. Okay. There was a Pontiac dealer. I was looking at this Pontiac uh, Le Mans. And so literally, I signed the paperwork. And the guy's like, oh, uh, you got a driver's license, right? And I, the guy's like, it's still warm. Go, yeah, it just came out of the laminator like an hour ago. Like, what? Nobody's ever done that. Like, you're you're, out, you're 16. I go, yeah, you can buy this car. I just got the license. I'm good. I'll drive off the lot. And so, same day, driver's license and own the car. Same day. Wow. The, other, the other thing I remember from grade school... I don't know if you ever participated in this with the musicals we did. They were not musicals. Uh, we did well, the we, Trouble with Tribbles. That's not a musical. We did was a play, but we okay. did we did do. I remember we did one that was a bunch of rock songs. We did Rock and Robin. We did. Uh, oh, with the music program. Yeah. yeah, I was in the background on those things. I was not a future at that juncture. I, I got in trouble. Out I got in trouble with Mrs. Locke at the music teacher a lot because. We would get just these philosophical differences in life, right? Because she's living in treble clef. And for what little music I knew was bass clef. So she's going, what are the, like, you know, F-A-C-E, uh, every good boy does fine. Not in bass clef, it ain't. And that, so like every time there's a quit, I'm doing horrible at this. And she would not convert. Like, you're a music teacher. You, you know how to convert this. I got the right answers for my my clef. I was the only bass clef guy in the <laughs> class, so I'm failing all of my mom's like, oh, he's in band. I don't understand. Like, mom, these aren't right. This is, you know, I've got the whatever. I got the C, you know, the backward C. She's got the S. Mom's like, what? So I draw it to her. Yeah, that's trouble. Yeah, I'm in bass clef, mom. These aren't what I studied. This is these aren't the notes I know. So it was just uh, horrible, and I just I didn't like. I just didn't like that. I'm not a. Mrs. Lockett. Well, yeah, the play. I remember yeah. the Trouble with Tribbles. Did M- we do musical? any other plays? Uh, I yes. remember making all those Tribbles. That yeah, was, that was fun. Trouble with Tribbles. There had to be another one. We had to have done because we had so many kids. I mean, you could do like a full. I remember one where they do like were, Hamilton. They we made like kids. a Xerox machine where we wrote our own play and they had to plan like Xerox or something. 
and they used me and Rich, to, so they copied <laughs> one of us, and we had two of them. I don't. I have no recollection. I, have, I remember Senator. that. That must I must have been in my hallucinatory. I have no recollection of that at all. Okay, but they they had to involve the whole class. Yeah, they just had to. So we must have been doing that. I mean, I was not a huge, you know, I was not. But I but I was out there. Uh, I do remember uh, we did Hard Rock Coco and Joe. Remember the I was one of the. Uh, yeah, you were a Hard Rock Cop Coco. I think Joe. I was Joe. You were probably I, Joe. Yeah. I was Joe. And then that old uh, Ray Rayner cartoon. Yep. I do remember there'd be like a talent night or something, and everybody had talent a, night. Yeah. I remember yeah. Uh, there was one girl did Irish jigs every year. Barbara, Barbara Broderick? No. No, that's high school. I have no idea. I, that doesn't ring a bell, Jim. Maybe you grew up in a second family. But I remember the other cool thing about Edison <laughs> was the lower grades went to school in the in the, the north part of the school, and then the south part, that was for 6th, yeah. 7th, 8th. Yeah, grade. you you like, as you went to school, you moved down. The hall. Further down the hallway, and then you got to go to the second entrance. So, so on the opposite end of the principal's office, right? I have no grade. idea. Like it had to be fifth grade, where the like you stopped going in that main it was entrance. Sixth, you had sixth to go, grade, you had to go around the back. Up to, to the, fifth grade was at the was in the north end. Right, they would all the little kids six, would seven, be at eight. one end of the school playing in yeah. the playground, and then we'd be at the end. And then, of course, we were in band and orchestra, so at six thirty. Well, Dave and, and that's, I were walking that's over that's when you started that getting the real bullying was when you're in sixth, seventh, eighth. Yes. The eighth graders would pick yes. on you. Yeah, and for a class our size, there was plenty to pick on. We had uh, Jimmy Grant, <laughs> Jimmy Grant. Well, a pair, a pair of Kaczynski is what I was thinking about. Uh, okay, Perry. Uh, I don't know what his his uh, prison number was, but he has a prison number. I don't. I don't know if he's still in prison, but he was oh, there. Gosh. He was a guest in the states. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, well, I think they. Well, that was the thing. Most everybody stayed on their block. I mean, I got to move around a few different groups, but like Dave did not really hang out with. Like John Gondos and Scott Dinga, he really and I did. I guess we were in soccer together, and we were in, I guess, just hanging out with sports and stuff. He was, I was more hanging, you know, a lot more soccer with Scott. But yeah, like we really didn't hang out. You know, a couple times with Janowick, a couple times with Jim Mann, but it wasn't like every day you would just see these. But there were so many kids that like you could just go to like the whatever the ballpark, and there'd be like five guys in your class show. Well, five out of like twenty, that's. That's still, you know, twenty whatever, twenty five percent. But it's like, my God, that's enough to play a game. Yeah. You know, whereas other classes, like five guys, is like half your class. This is like nothing. Now, hanging out at your house was always best because your mom always had cookies or cake. That's true. Mom cookies. did not. Uh, she loved the lard and uh, did not spare the lard on uh, anything and uh, hell of a cook. I don't remember hanging out as much at Dave's house. No. It was always at uh, your house. Dave's mom was not a cook. Uh, they actually ate. Uh, what do they call it? Market day food up until like ten years ago. Yeah, she was still in the market day program at Edison School, getting boxed burgers or whatever. You know, help the school for ten cents or whatever. And yeah, yeah. Not I don't. You know, I haven't talked to Dave about his dietary intake back in those days, but it was not. I don't remember. I mean, I do remember that Dave is one of those kids that you had to peel the skin off the wiener. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Dave did not yes. eat the wiener skin. Did he eat crusts on his sandwiches? Uh, I, you know, if my mom was here, she could tell you all about it. I don't. I'm going to give Dave a pass on the crust. Well, Jeffrey Costell did not eat crust on his bread. Yes. Well, maybe so I would have. Maybe it was a genetic. I don't know because they're not really genetic related. But, um, but their mother. Well, it wasn't their mothers. It was their fathers that were related. So yes. Yeah, but Dave was a weenie weenie guy, and then, wow. You know, yeah, I know. 
you know. What I, I never I never it. even heard of anyone peeling the skin off a hot dog. Yeah, I, I, I you know, and again, you think about how many hot dogs we, we eat a lot of hot dogs. Did you ever hear the story? What did he do? Mikey? What did he do on the hot dog luncheons? Did he? He had to have no, no, hot no, dogs no. In? I think I think the difference was depending on the hot dog. Okay. So if you did like an Oscar Mayer, that's something something you could peel off. But if you did a Daisy Brand, that was something you could pull off, like that that uh, whatever it is, intestine or whatever. You're, you're so like if you're like the bratwurst type skins. Yes, yes. Those. Um, so so here's a little segue, kitties. Um, so. No, no good deed goes unpunished. When, when you spend your entire grade school uh, career drawing in a wooden desk with your pen and saying, you know, Mark was here, you know, whatever. I hate this class. Whatever you're writing, um, be warned that occasionally you end up being a high school janitor as a summer job, and you get to take out all the ink marks that you put into there. Uh, there's a project called Vandalex. It will take out the marker. So uh, Dave. Dave's dad was a janitor. Dave got a job there. A whole bunch of us ended up getting jobs as janitors in District 103, cleaning the desks that we actually dirtied up. Um, so I, I was a janitor for, I think, three or four years. Steve was the janitor. Too, Steve was right? there. Uh, Mark Ream was there. Um, Scott Serafiniak ended up being. Uh, Perziki was there. Malina was, was part of that, too. We were all in this big, huge crew. Anyway, um, we were, I don't remember what school it was, Robinson or something. Mike Anderson was, was the, where I'm going with this. And we go to the home ec room. And, you know, we got to clean, you know, take care of home. We open the, we open the oven. And there's a tray of hot dogs from the last hot dog luncheon. In the, and so this is like July. So we're figuring out that probably end, probably end of May. Uh, these it was like an archaeological discovery. Oh they were black. They were they were things were growing. It was like a base for for you know growth, and so of course um, we can't let this pass uh, without incident. We bribed Mike Anderson a dollar to no. take a bite out of no. one of these. Hot, yes, and so we got. I think Mark Dreyer or Mark Ream had to go home to get his camera. Because again, we got to have documented proof that this happened. So we we set it all and he, up. And he did it for a dollar. He that did was it for a dollar, right? Fuzzy Pumper was a quarter in high school. He did this for a dollar. Um, so we set up. You know, I don't know. Marcus ready the camera. We're gonna go one, two, three, chomp. And he, I do remember, he got it up. I mean, this thing was funky. It was like black. It was like the spores had had exploded already. And he takes a chomp out of this thing. And it was like one of those gag cigars like you see in the cartoon where your face goes black. Yeah, it, it blew up on his face. And so, of course, he's spitting it out. And, oh, my God, that was horrible. And we're like, whoa, 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 my friend. You got to eat that. That's the deal. You didn't take a bite and spit it out. No. You have to eat a bite. And he picked it up and he ate it. It's not good. So then, as a as a segue, uh, I believe it was the same summer. Um, same same uh, protagonist comes in complaining about the cost of a haircut. Now again, we're making like two thirty an hour or something as right. these janitors, right? So he's complaining that they wanted eight dollars for a haircut. And where were you going for eight dollars for a haircut back then? Uh, Scissors Palace, which is another. We're not going to get into that now. I got another story about Scissors Palace. Uh, anyway, so he was going somewhere. and It was like eight bucks or something. That was his complaint. So same guy, Mark uh, Mark Green says, "I've got a home hair care kit. 
I can cut your hair. And so, again, he's like, okay. So he goes home, gets his kid, had the apron with all these little pockets and all the attachments. He had this, like, electric trimmer, and he would put all these attachments onto it. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, again, you know, work is work, right? So we have to do this after hours. So I don't know, we, we knocked off work at, like, 2.30 or 3 o'clock or something. So right away, we're, like, right into the home ec room with the... Uh, Bunch of brooms, and you know, and the regular janitors are there too because they're. Oh, I can't believe we're doing this. Oh, this is so crazy. You, you kids are so nuts. So we put Mike in his chair, and he's looking through the little the the pamphlet of the styles of the styles and whatever he's <laughs> what I do we call it, whatever he I was in, I had the I the, I think I had the apron on, and so he picks like a number four, and I think my hair is actually cut with trimmers number four, and that should leave you a good. Inch, inch and a half of goods. So he picks a number four, and I I guess I got the numbers confused. I gave him, like, number one. It was, like, the baldy seller. <laughs> so, Reem snaps it on, because look, <laughs> apply. <laughs> ying, ying, ying. Took it off. Took it off. So Mike's going, oh, it's a little thin. Oh, and everybody's there's like, Oh, there! You can just see it all falling. It's so funny. Ooh, it's a little thin on top. So I don't know. I did something with Mark after work. We got stopped and got a soda because we were laughing so hard. Or whatever. Mike goes home, and his mother sees his head. And again, we're you know we're whatever out of high school. You know we're messing around. Mom sees his head, and all of a sudden, his mom is calling my mom. So by the time I hit the door, my mom's in the phone. Uh, so let me get this straight. Your, whatever, 19-year-old son allowed my 19-year-old son to be involved with cutting his hair. And you're reporting that too much hair was cut (laughs) off. That's what you're reporting now. So I'm make sure I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much hair was cut off. What would you like me to do? Glue some back? You want me to frost, you know, (laughs) put some frosting on it? What What do you want? You know? I'm just letting you know what your son did. He said, Let me get this straight again. Your adult son allowed my adult son and others to cut his hair. And you're not happy with how it turned out? Uh, you know, file this under, you know, uh, not my problem, whatever. So she gets out what she's laughing her head off. She goes, really? You cut his hair? I said, Mom, there was a little bit of a mix-up. He might have called for the number four. I might have given him number one. But what do you expect? Oh,